Um, and then I started really experiencing deep flow. So um, like the cover of the book is very much like, like I painted all the art that's in this book and the cover too. Um, that was kind of from a flow state, the painting of my higher power. That was also in a really deep flow state. Welcome to the Phase 4 Podcast, inspired by Vishen Lakhiani and Ajit Nawalka, co-founders of Evercoach, a division of Vine Valley. In this podcast, we speak to coaches and creatives about where they were, where they are, and where they are going. This is the intersection of what we focus on expands, and your story is your superpower. My guest today is Nisha Kishore. She is a thought leader, an author, a meditation trainer, a certified life and business coach. And in addition, she is an artist and a true light worker. And I'm very grateful to have her on the podcast today. Nisha, welcome to the show. Thanks so much, JP. And thank you so much for that really kind introduction. Thank you. Yeah, I love your story. So just for some background, we met in a, a coaching certification we connected in a couple of different groups and we just inspire each other and we lift each other. And so I'm definitely grateful for you today on the show. And usually where I like to start with people is kind of like before we met at that, how did you end up there? It's a big loaded question, right? Where do you start your life? But kind of how did you get into the idea of personal development? For sure. So um, the year or two before the life coaching certification, um, my life was not going well. There was just so much that was off. My health was off. My uh, relationships with family and friends were off. My sense of career or purpose was off. I didn't have any spiritual rooting. And I was so resistant to change. And looking within myself, I was so used to just blaming circumstances because I didn't know any better, to be honest. And then one day I was biking to the grocery store and I got hit by a car. And I literally was knocked off my bike. Like I sprained my ankle. I had to go to the ER. And I ended up just asking like, what's going on? I don't know how that question came to my lips, but now that I'm older and uh, more mature in my spiritual growth, I know that the universe responds to the questions we ask. And I almost see that car accident as an act of grace to actually force me to ask what's going on. And so I was working with an art therapist at the time who is still my therapist today. And she recommended Mind Valley to me. She brought up before, but I was, again, so resistant. But after this event, I was like, I I've got to dive into this. And she actually recommended Reverend Michael Beckwith's course on Mind Valley called Life Visioning. I was like, okay, this might be a sign. Maybe I should just do it. And that one quest totally changed my life. I was like, wow, like I'm the one that's harboring unhealthy beliefs, negative thought patterns. I'm the one that had a victim mindset, even though I didn't even know what it meant. You know, I, I'm the one who has a fixed mindset. I'm the one who's having all these things. And to learn to come to my place from a sense of actually like love and not judgment, uh, that was a huge thing for me because it was so easy to be my inner critic like Nisha, like you're doing this wrong, this wrong. It's like, no, no. So much of the quest was observing yourself without judgment and just genuine awareness. So I was kind of growing in this path of consciousness and who am I? Who am I really? What does it mean to like use affirmation visualization and then to fall into spiritful surrender and then to realize, wow, like I'm one with source, I'm one with life. And and then life has honestly just been up since. There's been some hits and bumps in the road, of course, obviously, but what's been empowering is realizing that I'm the creator. And so for me, I wanted to find more ways to share myself and share my story with the world. And so 
I had always dreamed of writing a book. I learned about this book writing opportunity from a friend from high school, actually. Um, I applied, I got in, I was in the midst of that. I heard about the life coaching certification and I thought, you know, um, I don't know if I'm going to actually start my own life coaching business, but these definitely seem like skills I want to develop. They're transferable, honestly, anywhere in any setting. I'll grow personally. And I did. I fell in love with it. Um, heard about certified business coach, wanted to just keep continuing the journey. And that further inspired my career. And I'm applying, well, I, I just got accepted to part-time MBA program at UChicago. Um, and so I'm continuing on that as well. So it's been really transformative and I'm just really grateful to be on this journey. Yeah, that's amazing. I love it. So there's a bunch, some of, sometimes it's like a mirror, right? Where our thoughts are a mirror of what we, we see. And so we look out to the world and depending on how we're feeling, it kind of reflects back that way. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it almost sounds like that's what was happening to you until the car accident and the car accident was the sign. And mm -hmm. it's like, you're asked that question, right? And I always say this thing, um, like thoughts are electric and feelings are magnetic. So whatever mm -hmm. the thought is, you send it out, you vibrate out that thought and it doesn't even matter if you're feeling it or believing it. You're just sending that thought out there. It's vibrating along. You might never see it come back, but eventually it will catch the vibration of other people or other things. And if you feel it, that's the magnetic that you're pulling that back to you as a result. So whatever you're putting out there, you're attracting the result back to you by depending on how much you feel and believe in it. And then when it does come back to you, just like it's vibrating out till it reaches the right frequency, it will come back to you. It might come back to you in the form of a song or an email or a conversation like this or a car accident. And then... <laughs> Yeah, but something does it and it changes and it kind of changes things from there on. And so for me, I know my story I shared with you before. I had like this long, Kensho, very low, dark decade. And yours sounds almost like it might have been a little quicker. I'm sure it wasn't that simple. But um, I think that's a good place to transition where you're saying you ask the question, who I, am I? And mm -hmm. so the name of your book is I Am, yeah. which is amazing. And I'm going to draw some beautiful quotes that are inspirational out of this book. But now I know that I have the power to stop these thoughts and focus on what I'm grateful for by realizing thoughts and circumstances are temporary and not permanent. I'm able to give myself a greater sense of autonomy to create the experiences I want to live. Mm, yeah. What do you think about that? Uh, very deep and very profound. Um, I think back to my younger self who was wrestling with thoughts of self-harm and suicidal ideation. And I literally didn't feel like I had any control over them. I was like, I'm having thoughts of self-harm. I don't know what to do. I was going to therapists. I was going to psychiatrists. I was trying to take care of myself the best I could. Like I was running, I was exercising, but I felt so hopeless and I felt so bound within myself. And I was kind of looking for what needs to change. Is it something in me, outside of me? And now to hear you read that back to me, it's like, yeah, that's genuinely how I feel now. It's like, I choose my thoughts. I choose my growth. I choose to activate my potential. I choose to give. I choose to contribute, you know, and knowing that I am the author of my destiny every step of the way. Life's going to happen. Like, there's going to be things that happen, but I will always have the choice on how to respond to it. And I can always do my best to make my inner world a safe haven and a heaven. And I can give heaven back to earth. Yeah, that's beautiful. And so for there is a lot of Mind Valley or there's a lot of coaches, creators that listen to this too, that if you haven't done the Michael Beckwith quest, it's brilliant. And just like you're saying, it's like 
it shows you that like just everything's energy and just wherever you put your energy, that will come right back to you. And I know I'm just repeating myself, but it's just that quest is especially true where I was the same. I had a fixed mindset forever. And then when I started learning about growth mindset, this thing fell in my lap. That was one of the first quests I did. I did mm. speak to speak to inspire by Lisa Nichols and then that one. And it was the same thing where it's just like, wow, you really can create and design your future. And you don't have to believe us. You just try it out, right? Make yeah. a plan, work towards your plan, measure the results, and then you become the proof. You don't yeah. need anybody else. You don't need a video. You're the proof. And the, the journal that you keep or the diary or the measurements that you took, they add up and show you, wow, look how fast this can actually happen. Yeah, well, um, I totally agree with that. And I think the ironic thing I realized is that even before I was aware of manifestation and growing and being the predominant creator of your life, um, I was actually already manifesting. So when I think about that season of my life, when I, you know, relationships weren't going well, like things just were not going well in any dimension, health or otherwise, um, those were a reflection of my own negative thought patterns and my own negative belief systems. And so these laws are always working. I just wasn't aware of how they're working and how I was negatively feeding it. I know for me, I have historically wrestled with like doubt and like fear of failure. And I know for me right now, I'm in the season of a lot of excitement and growth, right? Starting this MBA program. And um, I had this voice of doubt the other day and I just kind of talked to it and I just talked to my higher power and I just felt her say, Nisha, I've already opened the door for you. Just walk through it. And I've gotten, yeah, <laughs> I know, I, I felt that too um, when I experienced it. And I just had to kind of realize that even though sometimes those thoughts might come back because you are a human and you are in a world, you always have the power to surrender them to your higher power or talk to your higher power about it too. Brilliant. So I got two things to add to that. One of them is another quote for your book. We as humans have an amazing capacity to hit rock bottom and create dreams and miracles in proportion to our willingness to grow and let go of what's not serving us. And so by letting go of what's not serving you, you clear up space for the good stuff to come through that maybe it's trying to come through, but there's too much stuff that's bound up inside. And so that's part of it. Um, and then the, the idea of the voice or the analyzer, I call it, right? It, it, it's always going to be there. You can turn it up and down. The thing is to turn it down, right? And so just recognize okay, um, make a book, right? And then all of a sudden somebody comes along, they want to have you on a radio show or something to talk about your book. Right away, your fear is like, no, I can't do that. That's too big of a stage, right? But that's the analyzer just trying to keep you safe and small. The more you show up and do stuff that your mind or your brain or whatever you want to analyze or tells you that you can't do and that you're not capable of doing it, becoming the proof again is the more you do it and the more you show up, the the doubts start to silence themselves. So you got, you're going in so many different areas, especially for this podcast, because we talked to coaches, but then also creatives and artists. And so you're a painter. Can you share some about that? Yeah, for sure. So um, painting has been one of the hallmarks of my personal growth, especially the past three years or so. So um, to backtrack a little bit, I mentioned the art therapist who introduced me to Mind Valley. So when I first started working with her, I was actually presenting as uh, transmasculine Zadian, who I call in the book. And um, that was my identity. I was exploring my gender, exploring my sexuality, and Zadian was true and authentic at the time. 
And I remember when I started working with my art therapist, um, I was finger painting all the time. And I love like just the free flow of the finger paint and no restrictions. I can create anything and be anything and, and the tactileness, right? And then as I started to actually um, grow personally, uh, spiritually and let go of things that no longer served, um, I started using a paintbrush more. And I started painting bigger, more expansive paintings, like a lot of the ones in the book, the one, um, you know, like the love painting and just kind of larger. It was actually paint. It was paper for finger painting, but I would spread it out really big and use acrylic. Um, and then I started really experiencing deep flow. So um, like the cover of the book is very much like, like I painted all the art that's in this book and the cover too. Um, that was kind of from a flow state, the painting of my higher power. That was also in a really deep flow state. That was one of the most magical experiences of my life. It was just this total absorption. I didn't exist, but at the same time, I was the most alive I'd ever been. At this, it was just this magnetic, cosmic discovery of like, wait, I'm the painting lady. Like, I'm the universe. I'm, I am this. And um, it's really cool because now recently I've been painting a lot more um, on canvas, like more defined boundary. And I've actually been painting more realism. So uh, I'm gonna show you something I painted recently. Actually, I'll show you too. So on the topic of the painting lady, I have this kind of um, moon so it's more of like a, looks more like a feminine eye, feminine face on this moon, but it's very clearly defined, right? It's a moon. And then this one is actually a koi fish. That's awesome. Thanks. Oh, wow. It's cool that you can turn it both ways and it still has the same, like a, an effect. It yeah. Looks like it's the proper way. Yeah, no, for sure. It's um, really cool to see this kind of transformation as, as my own dreams become more clear, it's like my paintings become more clear and defined and definitive. And um, it's been really neat. It's been a way for me to self-reflect and to grow, but also appreciate all stages because that finger painting, that total exploration, there's absolutely time for that. And that deep flow state, there's absolutely time for that too. And for this, there's time for that as well. And I think something I've realized is really honoring every season of growth and not necessarily thinking of it as like a linear path as a destination to reach, but rather as a spirit that's continually unfolding and different dimensions and different aspects are going to unfold in different ways at different times and to just be one with it and enjoy that journey. I love it. Uh, you're so articulate. It's so great. Um, Thanks. The, the cover <laughs> of the book, is that like the eye of forest kind of? Or no, that's not what it was meant to be? It could be. Honestly, when it just came through me, it was just an eye. <laughs> so... It kind of looks like it, but I can't, like, yeah, that's the cool thing about art, right? The interpretation depends on the viewer or the viewer. Yeah. Um, and so I love what you just said, and I got to keep drawing some nice, beautiful quotes from this book. So we're first of all, we're going to put the, the links to the book in the show notes. You can get it anywhere in Noble and Barnes, anywhere you buy your book. Um, and so... The quote is, joy can only truly come from within myself for fully embracing and accepting all of who I am. For me, joy comes from self-forgiveness, being in awe of continual discovery, and enthusiastically creating the next greatest version of myself. 
You can't see right now, but like my heart's beating and I can breathe there for a second, but that's some powerful, powerful stuff. And so, yeah, I love it. So you're doing a lot, right? So the art is huge. It's a real cool way to discover yourself. And what I love is that not only are like, I can see that from the, those paintings you just show me from the first ones, you can see transformation, but that you can see it yourself is even better. Yeah, it's definitely been a journey. And I think for me, what's been fascinating is it's been very visible and physical. So for instance, I used to have a shaved head. I was going by a different name. I was overweight, right? And now I'm back to like a very healthy weight. I am, my hair is growing. Like I'm going by a different name. I'm um, on a different career trajectory than I was two, three years ago. Um, a few years ago, I was actually working in healthcare. I was in a nonprofit and now here I am pursuing an MBA, right? Totally different. Um, and I think that seeing all of this fruit and transformation physically and, and viscerally has been uh, very exciting and rejuvenating and also very humbling at the same time. You know, I think kind of going back to what you mentioned earlier, like having a vision, having a goal and working hard towards it, you know, you get to a point where you you've accomplished something and you're like, wow, <laughs> like I have accomplished something. I, I did this. I published this book. I'm a Taekwondo master now after 20 years. And um, it, it just makes me more humble and more grateful and also more hungry to create even more. Amazing. So one thing I did glean from your story was that you're, you're aware from a young age, more somatic and visceral was the right word than most. It seems that most young people that age are aware of what's going on, aware of their body, aware of their feelings and emotions. And so I, visceral, when you said that, that's what made me think of that. And then Taekwondo master, that was my next thing I was going to go to. So tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, for sure. Um, so like the interplay of just being more like physically self-aware or how that goes to Taekwondo. A bit of both, but it sounds like it's a long journey to get to a Taekwondo master. That's quite an achievement. So maybe what does that look like a little bit? Yeah, for sure. So um, it's it's actually kind of funny. I'm just now putting these together as we're talking, but I started Taekwondo when I was six. And that's also the same age where I'm starting to feel like um, in the book, I talk about how my mom accidentally cut my hair too short and I felt like a guy and it felt great. And so that is interesting that that kind of was happening at the same time that I was learning about what my body could do. I am so grateful. I did Taekwondo at a young age and I kept doing it. I know so many people who quit and it's like, I never quit. I just kept doing it um, because it's really amazing to discover what your body can do. And like, wow, I can yell, I can kick, I can punch, I can, I can descend my body. Um, I learned a lot of discipline and long-term mindset and things like delayed gratification. And obviously as an eight-year-old, I didn't use these words, but that's really what I was developing. And my Taekwondo master always taught me from very young age, six years old, that nothing is impossible to a willing mind. And I've just been reminding myself more and more of that lately and just really realizing that you make your success happen. Like his whole gym is decked with tons of inspirational quotes. And uh, one of them is one of him doing a really high kick, like I think at least 10 feet up in the air. And it says, um, you know, the highest mountain, this is a paraphrase, um, but a highest mountain must be like a small tomb compared to heaven. So there's no reason why someone can't climb it if he doesn't decide to do it. But so often people just look at the mountain and they just say it's too high without even trying to climb it. 
And that to me is just such a powerful image because when we're, I believe, when we're one with spirit, when we're one with source, we have all these infinite resources available to us through the universe, through spirit, and through connection. And and yet how many times do we allow our human perception to interfere and be like, oh, that's too big, or oh, I can't do it, or oh, I'm too scared. It's like, no, really, like, it must be small team compared to heaven. There is no reason why we can't do what we put our minds to. Yeah, that's brilliant. Again, with the analyzer, right? And so that the idea of putting words and quotes around the gym like that, that's intentions, that's thoughts, that's sending that vibration that we talked about earlier. And like, just as easily, like I have words around me that are like, believe, be grateful, mm -hmm. all these kind of things, right? Love, light, live, laugh. I, I'm like you, so uh, my entire place is decked with paintings that I've done. There's this huge painting that says love. I think it's in the book. Um, there's like three or four vision boards around here. <laughs> there's like one in my room. There's one there. There's one there. There's one on the whiteboard. Like it's just everywhere. So I'm like constantly looking at like color and positivity and dreams and and great words that fill me up and make me overflow. Right. Yeah. Beautiful. And then this is like it goes with neuroplasticity and like reticular activating system where you're going to keep seeing those words and even that you set it up for success, order or chaos. It's totally up to the person. And I know artists can get chaotic in their rooms sometimes. Uh, yeah, I've had those seasons. Oh man, you should have seen me when I was editing this book. Um, <laughs> I thought writing was hard. Editing was so much more challenging because then you're really examining, like do you want to really publish this? And there's actually a lot of scenes that I ended up cutting because I realized that, um, I mean, they were just kind of very deep and personal with family. And I didn't know if I was really ready to share that dimension with the world. I didn't know if they were okay with that, those dimensions either. And my family's been great. Like they're very supportive of my journey and like queerness and things like that. But there was just, there were some challenging times of just understanding who I am and, and what it meant to like have a child who might be a man when they thought that they were a woman and things like that. Um, and it's actually fun because my relationships with my family are some of the most rewarding and fulfilling relationships I have today. Like my dad's like my best friend and, and all this stuff. So I think that ultimately it helped us grow, but with challenging times. And there's even like personal scenes in terms of how I wrote things. Um, like the scene when I was in the psychiatric ward for suicidal ideations, like what do I include about that? What do I not include? Like a part of me wanted to write more about my time in the psychiatric ward because I was there for a whole week not seeing the sun. And like, I just realized that that could be its own book. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because that could be a larger um, statement about like, the mental health system in America. And I just had to realize, okay, what what's the lesson that I want my readers to take away? And what is the scene that's going to most vividly articulate and illustrate how I want my readers to experience my story and experience their own growth through my experience? And so that's kind of how I ended up having to put on that lens to edit. Um, but it was hard. I mean, the, the flip side is I ended up writing new scenes in the editing process. That whole scene when I was like, um, there's a scene where I'm in middle school and I discover I'm a tomboy and I play four skier with the guys and I sit with the guys instead of the girls. I wrote that like, I think two to three weeks before finally submitting my manuscript. It was like the last minute, but it actually kicks off the story really well, I think, because it shows like even from a young age, having that spirit that maybe you're not even aware of. I think I missed writing that scene in the first draft because I had just taken it for granted so much that I didn't even think like, oh, this is not significant. It's like, no, actually that's 
that's big because a lot of times our younger selves, our child selves actually have a very strong sense of who we are. It's just that as we get older, we get conditioned to be a certain way. And um, even things like that are just so fundamental to us, like that younger self was so adventurous, you know, bringing that quality back, things like that. Um, it's really awesome taking a look at your life and seeing how far you've come and seeing how much you already intuitively knew that maybe you um, convinced yourself you didn't know somehow. So I hope that makes sense. Oh, it makes perfect sense. I love it. I think maybe what, what part of it, the way I see that is like, you're getting your book out, you're writing your book. And then when it comes to adding part, there's parts of your book that you weren't ready to share at that stage of your writing journey where you're like, screw it. I'm going to share this because this needs to be said and shared with the world. And then the other part of that is like, our job is just to create it and kind of let go and surrender the outcome, right? I'm making this. I shared with you that book that I'm writing. Like I made the book. I'm surrendering. It's done. That's other people's judgment is that's not in my business. You know what I mean? What other people think of me, my job is to create it. And I did that. And hopefully people like it, but if they don't, that's not really any of my business. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think it's it's really powerful, like just so many different areas of transformation. And as I'm saying this, it's coming up now is that during those difficult times, you still did do the self-care. You still did go running and you yeah. did those things that some days you don't feel like doing it, but that's where you become solid. And that might be from the Taekwondo where you instill those habits of discipline where it doesn't matter if I feel like doing this, my future self needs me to do this anyway. Yeah, actually, that's a good point. I do think that Taekwondo really instilled a high level self-discipline in me. Even my Taekwondo master has this huge sign in his gym, house of discipline. <laughs> right? And so I do think that um, on the one hand, I'm so free flow and creative, painting, the writing, all these things. And then on the other, I'm actually highly disciplined and highly focused on like goals and and setting a path and achieving them. And I think for me, where I am in my growth is really merging those two worlds and allowing them to actually amplify each other because you don't want to be too rigid because then you won't have the creativity, the fun, the play, but then you don't want to be too free flow because then you, I should say, I, I would be too like in la la land and not necessarily accomplish or achieve anything. Right. So how to enmesh them and actually fly with both of them, see each one as its own wing and allow them to take me to new heights. That's where I'm at. Wow. I love it. Yeah. The idea of like not getting stuck at either end of the spectrum, you kind of got to come in the middle, play at both ends, but make sure you stick to the middle and it's balanced. Right. And yeah, definitely all the martial arts teaches these kind of things. Uh, I got a couple more questions. I think it's up to you where you want to go. I would love to hear about your trip in India. I'm sure some crazy spiritual stuff happened to you there. And then all, yeah. Uh, then the other one is kind of talk about a little bit about Mind Valley. What did some mentors or quests or certifications that were instructive and informative and powerful to you? I know you already touched on Michael Beckwith, but take it wherever you want. For sure. Um, I'll start with the second one first. So I also really love Marissa Pierce quests because um, a lot of it is about your mind and your belief systems. And um, really, she really helped me understand how my brain was working there's one quest, I think it's rapid transformational therapy for abundance. I think that's what it's called. And um, it talked about just like patterns of the brains. And like, I think she calls it like 10 rules of the mind. Um, one is like, 
I think it's like what we expect tends to get realized. Um, your mind works in present tense. So things like that just help me realize, oh, I have this mental computer and I have not known how it was working, but there actually are rules that are almost like the operation manual. And she gives you the operations manual and she gives you um, like hypnosis exercises I've fallen asleep to and things like that. So very powerful stuff. Um, Lisa Nichols's quest really helped me understand my voice. It's Speak and Inspire, and she has this exercise in it where at the start of each day to go to the mirror and say seven things that you're proud of yourself for, seven things that you forgive yourself for, and seven things that are commitments you're making to yourself. I did that for months, and it transformed my life, honestly. Um, I realized that I could grow and become my own best friend, and I think we always can all do that. And I'd say another quest that I would recommend would be um, Modern Day Qigong by Lee Holden. I actually just started diving into that about a month, month and a half ago. Um, it's really interesting. Like I, he has these five minute lessons and then these essentially 15 minute Qigong exercises to accompany them. And it's actually very practical in application. Like it's things like um, enhance your sleep, relieve stress, turn stress into energy, um, calm, clarity, peace of mind, like chi breaks, like things that you can just do in the middle of your workday uh, to help energize you. Very simple, very practical stuff. So uh, those are three quests that I would recommend right off the bat. Yeah, that's brilliant. I like the the idea with the Lee Holding one is is there's a couple of things that anybody can do right now and just do them every day in little bite-sized chunks, right? Yeah. Sleep properly, meditate properly, journal. Yeah. Like, just get silent. All these little things, exercise, even if it's just like a little bit of push-ups to get your blood flowing quick. All these little tiny steps, they stack so fast and then your whole life transforms. Before we go to India, Lisa Nichols, um, one thing I, I can hear from talking to you now and from reading your story as... Not the story you just wrote last year, but you're from the beginning of your story as you were younger and growing until now. Lisa Nichols talks about sharing your story. And mm -hmm. if you ever hear me say your story is your superpower, this is a part of it. Um, and she says, like, <clears throat> you picture your story as a cake. And if it's in the oven and you take it and try to take it out of the oven, you're going to burn your hand. Mm -hmm. And even if it does come out of the oven and it's cooked and it's sitting on the counter, but it just came out of the oven, it's still a little hot. You might get burnt. So she said, you need to let the cake, your story, cool down until you're far enough away from it that you're not going to get burned, that you get the wisdom because the emotional attachment isn't as strong as it was. And the idea is that it's like someone who just quit drinking or smoking yesterday. And then they're mm -hmm. going to start sharing, Hey, this is how you do it. Like, okay, yeah. let's wait a little bit. So, um, I just wanted to share, as you said, Lisa Nichols before that, but yeah, I'd love to hear about India. Yeah. That's a brilliant analogy. I actually don't, I think this is the first time I heard that, uh, analogy. Um, that's so true. Right. Cause I know with me, my book, I don't know if you knew this, but I actually tried publishing it a year prior and writing a whole year prior, but, I had drafted the first manuscript and I just realized I wasn't emotionally ready to release a book. And so I talked with the publisher and I was like, hey, I really love this program. I want to write this book, but I'm not ready. And so then I waited a whole other year and then I essentially rewrote what I had written 
and it basically became a new book. And then I was still rewriting more. And I think even in the process of writing, I was still becoming mature to the point of releasing it. But it got to a point where when it was published, like I was truly ready for it to be published. So I think that that's actually really important because so often I feel like society almost has this treadmill of where society thinks like where we should go or what um, where we should be, you know, and there really is no treadmill, right? It's your life and it's whatever you feel comfortable and confident with. And if you need an extra year to feel more comfortable and confident with your story, great. If you have this really great story, but you don't feel like publishing in a book and maybe you just want to like have it in your heart with your loved ones, that's also brilliant too. Maybe you have a different ambition. Maybe you want to start nonprofits. Great. That's a story, right? Like why is that particular cause on your heart? So stories are dynamic and bold. And I think the more we start listening to them, the more I realized how much I believe the universe is speaking through them. And our task is to really be humble and be in a sense of surrender and submission to allow them to come forth. Um, but yeah, I will jump on India <laughs> if you want to chat about that. So um, this is really fun. So I'm actually holding a little shell that I made when I was five years old. And the preschool teacher has kind of become a second grandma. She's an Indian woman. And her school is called Ahimsa. And it means nonviolence. And so I brought this with me to this podcast to remind myself to be true to myself and to... Um, be honest with myself. And if I'm like giving myself love, peace, and joy, then I'm going to give that to other people, you know? So um, my Indian trip to India was really breathtaking for a lot of reasons. Um, my cousin was actually getting married. And I don't know if you've been to an Indian wedding, but it's so incredible. It's like a week at least. There's so many festivals. I was actually talking to her right before this podcast. And she's like, yeah, there's still so many wedding photos that we haven't gone through yet. <laughs> um, it was really amazing because I think it was the first time I was spending a lot of time with my cousins when all of us are adults. Like she's 25, I was 26, or maybe she was 25, something like that. We're mid-20s. Um, and then my other cousins were like early 20s or like 18, 19, something like that. And so um, it was so cool to see each other as as we are and as we're forming and becoming and the most rewarding part of that trip to india was my family it was getting close to my cousins it was getting close to my aunts and uncles and and uh, all the aunties and all the uncles and my grandma and, and even my dad seeing different dimensions of him kind of come forth when he's in his homeland and where he came from and um i mean we also just saw such incredible sights uh we actually went to um, Banaras or Varanasi and it's actually where Buddha gave his first sermon and it's also considered a very holy place in Hinduism as well and so we got to see like these really incredible temples and um, there's some we were in the river Ganges and um, when we were in the river Ganges we were there like we went on a boat there and the sun was setting and it was getting dark and they were doing an arti by these temples. So arti is like a Hindu puja. There's like 
uh, lots of like candles, but because there were so many, literally hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people, both on the water, washing from boats and on the land, they used like fire. <laughs> they were just like, that was a huge thing. I, I took um, some video of it, but honestly, it's something you couldn't capture. It was just this holy moment of like doing this act of worship with people there from like all walks of life, all different life paths, um, feeling so connected with the water. Um, I remember stepping out of the boat from the river and I felt like I was bringing it with me. Like I didn't feel separate from it. I felt more connected to it. And that feels like that connection continues to grow. Um, going to where the Buddha gave his first sermon, it felt like a sense of, of home and clarity and, and mental calmness. And uh, we got some Tibetan bowls there, <laughs> which is really cool. Um, like a little Buddha statue. And um, it was just this place of like deep realization of, of oneness, of unity, of legacy. It's like, wow, all these things happened thousands of years ago, but they also happened like yesterday because quantum physics says there's not really such thing as time or space. You know what I mean? It's like technically all of this happened now, <laughs> technically, like not in here. And um, it was just this really deep like meta kind of moment. And um it was incredible. And for me too, just being like, wow, like I am Indian. Like these are my ancestors. This is my lineage. And, you know, I'm, I'm kind of exploring this idea of reincarnation. And like, am I, I feel like I am a reincarnation because, you know, on the one hand, I'm comprised of the matter of stardust. And then on the other hand, I feel like I'm also this unique individual who has never existed before and will never exist again. And, and feeling like, well, in this experience of life, these are my ancestors, but they're also everyone's ancestors. But there's this particular blood lineage and like what does this mean and um it was like very ephoral it was very uh or feral if that's how you pronounce it um it was very rooting and grounding at the same time um it was very real it was like wow like this is my family this is my legacy this is my culture and this is this is uh part of my blood you know so it was very humbling it was it was very magical uh, I just felt really grateful. Wow. There's places in the world that are just, there's an energy there that's like not like other places because of leaders being there. And like, let's, for me, what's coming up is the uh, Chichen Itza in Mexico, the Mayan temples and ruins. It's just when you're at that space looking around and just not even with your eyes closed, just feeling it, there's something there. There's like a celestial force that's not the same as my backyard. <laughs> Um, and then, yeah, to see like where the Buddha gave his first sermon, that's pretty special. And the word hisma, did you say? I've seen this word recently and I never knew what it meant. So nonviolent. Yeah. So actually it's written right here. If you see it, it's A-H-I-M-S-A. So um, the prefix a uh, basically negates the word. So the word himsa means violence. So by putting a uh, in front of it, you're saying nonviolence. Does that make sense? Oh yeah, that's awesome. Sweet. And so, as we begin to wind down, if this episode resonates with you, like it, subscribe, share with a friend, follow. Um, and I guess I ask everyone this question. So this is a phase four podcast, and phase four of the six phase meditation is all about creating your future three years out. So where's Nisha three years from today? Oh gosh, that's a great question. Um, let's see. So Nisha three years from today is with the love for life, is has her MBA from UChicago. 
um, and is an entrepreneur. I really want to create a lot of world change. I'm really interested in healthcare technology, education technology. Um, I'm deeply interested in people realizing their potential. I see myself as a world-class leader, a speaker, an author, potentially a professor, maybe like a coach, consultant, things like that. Um, but I really want to see a world where people are living their potential and are truly using their time on this planet to make a greater contribution. So I'd like to start businesses, nonprofits, initiatives that are in alignment with that. And I want to create really cool workspaces that people are excited to go to. Um, I also really want to do a lot of overseas impact. So things like healthcare accessibility and um, parts of the world where there there isn't as much um, or for communities that aren't receiving the care that they need. So um, that's kind of what's unfolding. Um, but I'm also in this playful dance of what my future could look like and um, being open to possibilities while at the same time being so grateful for I am right now because my life right now is also really awesome. My career is going really well. Um, my relationships are going great. Like my health is great. Everything's really spectacular as well. So yeah. That's amazing. That's maybe that should be the introduction. <laughs> That's so beautiful. Yeah. Um, I think you're definitely like powerful and considering your age, most people I talk to are, I wouldn't say a lot or much older, but you're, you've got so much going for you. You're going in every direction and you're not just going in every direction. You're accelerating in every direction. So I think it's beautiful. And I obviously I want to finish with a quote from your book. So it says, I've come to learn that the truth within you is all you need to set you free. And becoming free is a process available to anybody. Oftentimes, freedom is not becoming someone else. Rather, it's letting go of who we thought we were to embrace the truth of who we are. <laughs> and that's where I'm going to leave it but I'm also going to ask you is there anything else you want to say or share about your personal life what you love to do books mentors anything before we go wow thank you so much and thank you again GP for this really awesome experience I feel really humbled and grateful that you'd invite me on your podcast um, I do see a responsibility too um, before I go I guess I'd just like to give parting words that you can do it like whoever you are Whatever you're going for, whatever that dream is, that vision, I believe that you can do it. If you wholeheartedly believe it, you see it, you really want to achieve it, it's yours. Just surrender to it. Ask it what it wants from you, what it needs from you, because I feel like what I want also wants me when it's coming truly from my soul and desire, and it's it's there for you. So um, surrender to it. You've got this, and you can do it. I know you can. Thank you, Nisha. Thank you so much. I'm so grateful for your time today. Thanks so much, JP.